Tonight, we're going to get into another area uh, that I think uh, we need to, as a church, we need to make sure we're on guard against. Last week, we talked about a healthy church, right? And on last week, we dealt with a healthy church. We talked about uh, some philosophies of ministry that needs to be present in order for us to have a healthy church. We talked about a, a, a philosophy of excellence in the church, right? Uh, doing things with the spirit of excellence. We also talked about a spirit of unity being in the church. That's critically important that we have unity, right? Unity is critically important for the church to, to grow and to prosper. And so we also talked about having an atmosphere where we're equipping people, okay? Equipping people. So tonight, we're going to talk about healthy confrontation in the church. Everybody say healthy confrontation in the church. All right. Now, in order to be healthy as a church, one of the most important things we must learn to do in life is to confront problems head on. Okay. Confront problems head on. According to Harvard Medical School, it is one of the most important keys in reducing stress. A lot of times people will go around in their homes and their families and their churches uh, and they're stressed out about stuff because they never dealt with stuff. They're stressed out because they got some underlying stuff that's happening in their relational connection with church members, uh, family members. God knows in-laws. Hello. <laughs> right. And we have all these this, this stress is lying beneath the surface and we never deal with it. And it actually causes some of us to have even health issues. Okay. So, but as it relates to relationships and dealing with people, most of us really don't like confrontation. We don't like correction and we don't like discipline. And so, but if we're going to have a healthy church, that's something that all of us have to learn how to do in a God ordained way, in a way that's not sinful in a way that's not ungodly when we learn how to to handle and to deal with confrontation and we learn how to to properly correct when we learn how to properly discipline in the church it'll help us be healthy do you not know that that many times you know the example that jesus gave us when he talked about pruning uh and we talked about you know tearing out the wheat and the tares being separated that type thing one of the things that he was trying to drive on the point is that that when you have human beings who are fallible coming together as a group, there's always going to be situations where people are not growing. People are not uh, 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 being productive and people are not even sometimes in some cases not even born again. And so when you have all that mess of different people coming together. If we're going to be a healthy church that's vibrant, that is advancing kingdom principles, we have to learn how to get along together and learn how to deal with problematic situations in the church. How many of you have been in the church where there was there was turmoil? Okay, maybe there was there was turmoil. I mean, I mean, like open turmoil, open rebellion. Uh, if you if you haven't count yourself blessed to not have been in the church where uh, you had open turmoil. Um, but I've been there, uh, and Marrera and I've been there where, uh, we were in a church where business meeting was like fight night. And it was, when I say fight, I don't mean literally fisticuffs. Some of them, you know, it, it was with the mouth sometimes. It was some, some very detrimental stuff that was said. And, and, and the, the purpose and the plan of God was nowhere to be in sight. And it, it's such a discouraging feeling because we were young Christians at that time. But I oftentimes say this. 
I thank God for the experience, Bev, because I learned some things. I learned how not to do some things. I learned how not to, to get your focus off of Christ Jesus and reaching people with the gospel and put it on something that's, that has nothing to do with God and building people up. So I, I thank God for the experience because it, it, it taught me how not to do church. All right. So that was a very unhealthy environment. And I, I will tell you this, that 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 even though that church still exists, it's not very vibrant. It's not reaching anybody. Uh, even that whole different, that connection is not it's not having any kingdom impact. Churches are dying out because people didn't amen, cultivate a healthy church environment. So tonight we're going to talk about healthy confrontation in the church so that we can make sure that we uh, maintain a healthy environment here at the church at EBC. Can I get a witness? Okay. See, when we, uh, bullet point number three says, when we serve in ministry and deal with a lot of people, we must learn to confront and deal with conflict in a timely and righteous manner. It is essential to our personal health and the health of the church where we serve, okay? So the purpose of this teaching is to give us clear direction and encouragement in learning to confront and correct others around us while being confident in our ability to resolve conflict, okay? Particularly if you are a spiritual leader, minister, whatever, it's it's critically important that you learn this skill set because many times people will come to you for advice and if you're not grounded up in the word, you'll get into your feelings and start advising people out of your feelings. And that's one of the worst things in the world you can do is start giving advice to people who are seeking an answer and you're doing it out of your experiential feelings and not what scripture teaches. OK, so we're going to walk down through here talking about a healthy confrontation in the church. So let's look at some scripture reading right quick. Pop up, if you will, Proverbs 28 and 23. We're going to roll through these. And just kind of get a spiritual, scriptural foundation, okay, on confronting issues in the church so that we can be healthy. I want EBC to be healthy. I want each one of you all, when you come into this place, to not have all against anybody. Are you with me tonight? I want each one of us, when we come into this place, that if there is an all against somebody else in the church or within your own family, you know how to appropriately deal with it. Amen. Confront that issue and don't give Satan any victory because we don't want we don't want him to have any room to glory in this place. OK, are you all with the Proverbs 28, 23 says this. We read it out loud on purpose. It says in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than what? Flattery. Go to the KJV on that on that very same verse. Proverbs 28 and 23 from the King James version of the scripture right quick. It says, he that does what? Rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Okay? He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more flavor, favor, not flavor, more favor than he, than he that flattereth with the tongue. Now, Elijah, when you hear that, that scripture, what, what does that mean to you when it says he that rebuketh a man afterwards going to find more favor than he that flattered with the tongue. What does that mean to you when you hear that? Talk to you. What, 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 what do you think he's saying there? Well, what I, what I think he's saying is basically being able to, to say the right thing. Mm-hmm. Not just trying to pretend that you're really helping the person, but behold, you know. Okay. Just them to make them feel good. Yes. But, be, you know, it's not really, you know, the way it needs to be said. Yes. Amen. Make sure you say the right thing. And when we say it's rebuke a man, what does that mean to rebuke him? Well, 
Corrected. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you when you bring in correction, it, it says that he that corrected the man afterwards, after you do the correction, shall find more favor than he that flattered with the tongue. Someone who just tells you what you want to hear. Right. I mean, most of us, if we, if, if I, I don't know about you, but the, the times in my life where I've grown the most is when somebody, if, especially if I, if I messed up or did something incorrectly, when someone came to me and told me flat out, hey, listen, what you did was not correct here. Let me show you how to do it the right way. Or when you did that, that wrong thing, they call you out on it. I never will forget this. Um, this is back when I was in high school, Sherry. And we, we happened to be playing Cotton Valley. Okay. <laughs> That's why I brought you up here. But we were playing Cotton Valley, uh, Carl, and you remember Coach T. Uh, and we were playing Cotton Valley, and we were, I think it was Cotton Valley, Cotton Valley East Raptor, and we were in middle school, and we were beating them pretty bad. I mean, we were beating them by about 25 points. That was Sarepta, okay. <laughs> we were beating them real bad, and we were kind of just passing the ball around, you know, and, you know, at the end of the game, just kind of run the clock out, and I was just, I was just laughing and kind of, you know, like, you know, ball going away, who? And making fun of the guys, and I, Coach, Coach T was the high school basketball coach, but he was refereeing the middle school game. And then I thought he was getting ready to come up to me because I had about 20 points in that game. I thought he was getting ready to come up to me and tell me how good I played, Tiffany. And then when he when, after the game, he called me over and said, I don't want to ever see you do that again. All right, I don't want to ever see you do that again because there will come a time, he was so sure right, there will come a time when you're going to be on the other end of that. And trust me, we were on the other end of it several times. But, but again, from that moment forward, I never did that again in my entire athletic career. But that was a teachable moment for me. So that correction helped me to get my mind right because whenever you're playing athletics, amen, you don't want to try to embarrass somebody else. Okay, that's not really kosher. That's not really cool. And so that teachable moment helped me. So he that rebuketh the man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth it with the tongue. Okay, let's go to the next one. Proverbs 27 and 6. Proverbs 27 and 6. And we'll, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are what? Deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, we just, we'll read these, and we'll come back and then begin to, to put some meat around the bones and, and talk about confrontation. Because there are times in our lives, guys, that all of us uh, need to be confronted, or there are times when we need to confront someone or some situation. Can I get a witness? In order for this church to be healthy, we don't need you going around all offended and all hurt and not dealing with the issue. Particularly if it's, if it's something that, that someone did towards you or, or to you and it was wrong and you never, you failed to confront them because of your insecurities. We want to make sure you learn how to do that the right way in your families, okay? You'd be surprised at the number of people in their own individual families don't confront issues uh, that because of, of, of whatever reason. They don't do it. But that family will not be healthy. Your relationship with that person will not be healthy if you can't speak true to them. Text says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are what? Deceitful. Look, let's go to uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 23 through 24. We're looking at this from the New Living Translation. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Glory to God. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. The text says, so, so if you are presenting, watch what Jesus says. Here. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple. Now, we are, we're not in the temple. We're in the church, though. Right. 
and we got an altar up here. He says, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. What does Jesus tell us to do? Verse number 24 says what? Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Here's what I'm afraid of. Many Christians sitting up in the church are bringing and offering sacrifice to God, but they got out in their relationship with their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus says, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled, deal with that issue, and then come back and offer your sacrifice. Okay, y'all with me? Watch me now. I'm just, I'm just giving you scripture now. Let's go to Matthew the 18th chapter, one we're very familiar with. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17. Glory to God. Talking about healthy confrontation in the church. If another believer sins against you, go and tell everybody in the church and put it on social media. Is that what it says? No. He says, if another believer sins against you, go where? Privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you warn back that person. 16 and 17. Y'all know this. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by what? Two or three witnesses. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, the scripture says, let every word be what? Established. So now, if I come to you and I don't get any resolution because I'm speaking truth to you, but now I'm going to bring two or three more spiritual brothers with me, and then we're going to, they're going to confirm that what we're saying is actually true. Right? He says, then you, he says, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, let's read it. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Go to your ecclesiastical authority and tell them what the situation is. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. That's what he says. That's what Jesus said. When that person refuses to, to, to adhere to the, the judgment of ecclesiastical authority in the church, he says, disfellowship them. Now, again, as we read in other passages of Scripture, we understand that the purpose of disfellowshipping is never just to separate a person. The purpose behind disfellowshipping them is to get them to repent of their sin. Are you with me? It's all church discipline is always about the sinner, the, the, the same person who sinned and, and is caught up. It's all about them repenting so they can get back in the fellowship, back in the fold. Okay, y'all with me? All right, let's, let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 15, right quick. Just laying the spiritual foundation, and then we're going to talk about some of these principles. Every important relationship in our lives will require healthy confrontation and conflict resolution for it to last and remain healthy. If a church never deals with the issues in its body, that church will not be healthy. If the church never addresses open sin in the body, that church will not be a healthy church. Are you with me today? So it's critically important. Watch what the text says here. It says, go back to verse number uh, 14, if you will. Let's back up just, just a second. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We, we won't be tossed 
and blown about by every wind of new teaching, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Verse 15. Instead, we will do what? Speak the truth in love. Everybody say, speak the truth. How? In love. Our truth speaking should not be harsh and, 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 and draconian. It should be in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Okay? Ephesians, go, the fourth chapter, go down to verse number 25 through 27 with them right quick. So stop what? Telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. 26 and 27. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Are you with me? Second Timothy 4th chapter right quick. Let's look at this one. Is there a recurring pattern here? Are y'all seeing the fact that we got to speak truth, speaking in love. We got to confront a man situations and our relational uh, connection with people to the point to where it does not become inhibited by our offense. Because if I'm offended with you or you're offended with me, then it's going to affect our ability to serve together, right? Okay? So you deal with stuff the right way. Amen? 2 Timothy 4 1 says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Verse 2 says what? Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Watch what he says here. Now listen, he's telling Timothy, his son in the ministry, who's pastoring the church, he says, patiently do what? Correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with what? Good teaching. One of the things that I, I try to do, my best to do, is to provide good preaching and teaching in this place. And all of us in the ministerial staff want to give you word, not just opinion, and not just a good feeling. I'm not so much concerned about you, the hair on the back of your neck, neck raising up when I preach. That, you know, I want you to, to, to gain knowledge from the word of God. I, I, I personally believe that one of the, the crippling effects of the predominantly African American church is, is that many times we, we get caught up in the exhortational ability of the speaker and not hearing what he's really saying. And many times we're sitting here and we're not taking anything away that we can begin to live our lives by. All we know was that was we had a good time. And, and, and I want you to have a good time when you come to church, but I also want you to learn, amen, God-ordained principles that help govern your life, that teach you, teach me how to live life. So we're going to keep teaching the word of God. And, and, and the Bible says Jesus sat down in the temple and talked to people. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to teach you that, Amen. All right, so last one here. Go to Luke 17, verse number three with me right quick. Luke 17, verse number three. Glory to God. Healthy confrontation in the church. And while you're going on, let me ask you a question. Just by a nod of your head, have you ever had an issue with somebody in your church? I mean, where maybe you were a little bit offended, maybe feeling a certain kind of way. You know, feeling, you know what I mean when they say feeling a certain kind of way? You weren't feeling real good about that person. As a matter of fact, you weren't even praying for that person. As a matter of fact, you kind of you kind of want to tell them something. Anybody ever been there before? I'm not saying you're there now. 
But maybe you've been there before. In the church. How about in your family? You got some family members that you, you kind of want to tell something? You, you kind of want to tell them how the cow eat the cud? You want to dress them up one side and down the other side? You really want to just go off on them? Let's do some confession right there. Say, Lord, deliver me from going off on the people whom I'm in relationship with. All right. We need the Lord to help us, right? Glory to God. Luke 7, he says, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, do what? Now watch what Jesus says for all of you out there who say, don't judge me. I'm, Jesus say, Jesus says, judge the sin. We're not judging the salvation, but we have a right and a responsibility as a church to judge wrongdoing. I'm repeat that. We have a responsibility and amen, the authority and the right as believers who are in c- close connection as a family of faith to judge wrongdoing when it rises its ugly head in the church. Okay? Now, I'm not saying we go following you around and see what you're doing on the weekend. I'm not interested in doing that. But there are times when things come, amen, and, and come, whether it's in the public light or, or come when two believers are at odds with each other, where we have, to, we have to come together and say, let's judge this matter based on what the word of God says. Amen? So, so that's, that's, that's a part of being in the family. And you have to do that in your own individual birth families too, right? A husband and a wife will have opportunity to many, many times where disagreements will, will rise up in that family and you got to decide how are we going to handle this? Are we going to fuss and fight and cuss and let our next door neighbors who know we go to church at EBC hear us cussing each other out and fussing and fighting next door? Hello? Or are we going to handle the way the Bible says handle it? If it's a healthy confrontation. In the church. Listen to this real carefully. We can only be healthy when we have healthy confrontation. Personally, on a personal basis, with our immediate family and with our church family, we can only have a healthy relationship when we have healthy confrontation. Because the truth of the matter is, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna always have a situation that arises when you deal with infallible people. Okay? So it is spiritual to confront issues, to confront. And the word confront is not a bad word. I've told you before, it's actually a word that means to, to address an issue, to address a concern. Most people either hate to confront or don't know how to, or either both of them. They hate it and they don't know how to do it, so they just leave it alone. They just go and talk about the person, talk about the situation, the issue, without ever really confronting it, and it calls for an unhealthy situation in the church. So let's go and, and talk a little bit, okay? So what are, what, what, what are some questions uh, to qualify confrontation when it's time to confront? What are some questions we should ask ourselves, okay, uh, when, it, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, healthy, uh, God-ordained confrontation? Well, what, first of all, we'll start out with the wrong answers because sometimes it's good to find out how to do something by finding out how not to do something, which y'all agree. Okay, so watch this. Here are the wrong answers. You do not confront uh, to try to make someone conform to you, to make them conform to you. Because all of us are different. Here's what happens a lot of times in families, particularly with husbands and wives. 
the husband will try to make the wife just like him and the wife will try to make the husband just like her and they end up in confrontation because they don't think alike. You are two different people. Different personality bents. So, so your diversity your, and your different flavor ought to be, ought to complement each other rather than being an argumentative point. Okay? So don't, you do not confront to try to conform someone to be just like you. And that happens sometimes in the church, you know. Well, you know, we want people to do it just like we do it, okay? Or, uh, here's another wrong answer. I confront because I, I don't accept their differences. People are different. People are going to wear their hair different than when you wear your hair. They may dress a little bit different than you, but that's not, that's not a reason to go and confront them because they, they, they wore a, a pink pantsuit. You think pink pantsuits ought to be outlawed. I remember a preacher on the radio. He's dead and gone now. But he, he, he said no preacher ought to be caught dead wearing a red suit. Now, I, don't, I personally wouldn't wear, wear a red suit, but if you want to wear a red suit, God don't have a problem with you wearing a red suit. But he, he thought that was a sin and a shame for a preacher to put on a red suit. Uh, I, I'm just not loud like that, but if that's you, amen, go on and blow us out the water, okay? <laughs> uh, all right, next, next wrong reason or wrong answer for confrontation is, is to try to get your way. Some people confront just to get their way, okay? Or the next question is to keep them from making me mad. Or to vent frustration on them and make make me or make to make yourself feel better. These are wrong answers. Wrong reason to confront is to vent frustration to try to make yourself feel better. Or you don't confront to pay them back, and you don't confront to try to control them and make them fear you. Those are wrong reasons for confrontation. And there are a lot of people who confront. To try to control an individual. And that's not the reason why we do it. So here's the correct answers in your outline. You confront to protect them. Because many times when, 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 when confrontation is needed, oftentimes it's because that person who needs to be confronted may be indulged and involved in something that's not God honoring. And we are our brother's keeper. We are part of the family of faith together. So when I see you falling, I should not just sit back and watch you fall and just shake my head. I see you going down, amen. I see you heading down a road that's dangerous, and I am your brother keeper. I am my brother's keeper, so I should I should go and confront to to protect them. Not, not only that, but to build our relationship, I should confront. And not only that, to to discover the whole truth about what's going on, I should confront. And to prevent unrighteous thoughts and feelings from permeating, I should confront. And to keep others from being harmed, I should confront. And to obey God. And to glorify him, I should confront. Those are the right reasons to confront someone, amen, as it relates to your relationship with them here in the church, okay? No, so, so, again, we see the wrong answers, okay, uh, uh, about the motivation, the wrong motivation for confronting, and we see the right motivation for confronting, okay? So the second question is, is there an important enough issue to confront? That's what we got to decide. Is this important enough to confront? So what are some criteria to establish importance? In other words, answering yes to any uh, uh, of these next questions means that you ought to confront. Okay, so if, if there's a situation where there's destructive sin involved. Because there are some people who are in connection with you in the church who feel like if they are doing what they're doing, it's none of your business. 
Now, again, as I said, we don't go around looking for stuff. But if I if, if it comes to your attention and my attention that, uh, that, that, that this individual who's a brother in Christ, especially if he's an officer of the church and he's indulged in some harmful sin in his life, then somebody needs to go and say, hey, listen, brother. Oh, hey, sister. That's not God's will for your life. And let's talk about it. Let's pray through. How can I help you? Amen. Overcome the situation. So is there a destructive sin involved? If it's yes, then let's confront. Will this issue impact our relationship in a negative way? If I don't confront it. If the answer to that is yes, then we got to go confront. All right. Will I be tempted to gossip, reject them, or behave in an unrighteous way if I don't confront? If that answer is yes, then let's go confront. Is the problem having a significantly negative influence on them or others around them? What we got to do? Confront. Is this issue negatively affecting their witness for Christ? It's a big one. It's negatively affecting their witness for Christ or reputation in a significant way. What do we got to do? Confront. Is this issue significantly hurting their spiritual growth or health or mine because I'm in relationship with you? What do we got to do? We got to go confront. We got to do it in a loving, God honoring way. Okay. Next question is Do I have a platform for confronting them? What's some legitimate platforms? Okay. So, is this person within my realm of authority or responsibility? I'm not saying you go and confront every Tom, Dick, and Harry that you actually see, because some of us don't have that kind of relationship with people. Or maybe we're not. They're not up under our circle of influence. But all of us in this church have people who we connect with in our families and in this church who are part of the, 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 the small group that you connect with. And if you are being relational like we want this church to become, then that means that we're going to do life together. And when we do life together, that means that we're going to spend time together. And when we spend time together... Sooner or later, if we spend time together, we're going to begin to see each other a little bit more deeply. And, and when you spend time together, guess what, guys? You're going to see my flaws and I'm going to see your flaws. Hello? The more, how, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all, uh, once you got married, you saw some stuff that you didn't see before you got married? Can I see a hand raised? Why? Because you're spending more time with that person. You're living with that person, and now you don't have your best foot forward every time you wake up in the morning. Right? Same concept applies. When we start doing life together as disciples of Jesus Christ, then then we're going to have the opportunity to help each other to grow. Amen? So, so, so. Uh, within my, is, is, is this person within my realm of authority or responsibility? Or are they within my social network of family, friends, church, work, etc.? Because some, there's sometimes guys, we work with other Christians and those other believers who may not be members of this church, but y'all talk at work about spiritual things. And now y'all develop a relationship and a bond. And so there are going to be some times when personal situation comes up, situations about church come up, where you have a, a chance to deposit into that person's life. So as a believer, I got to spend some time, amen, making sure that I understand when it's time to confront that believer, amen, about an issue that needs to be talked about. And again, don't look at confrontation from the negative side. Don't think that it's, it's, it's me calling somebody out. It's me trying to help this person be all that God called and ordained for them to be. And it's them trying to help me be all that God called and ordained for me to be. Amen. 
All right. Is our relationship strong enough to warrant confrontation? Some people you don't even know well enough to confront. Right. Even though you see them, you see they're going astray. You don't feel comfortable because you don't have a close enough connection with them. Uh, Is God specifically speaking to me to do this by his word or by the Holy Spirit? Because his Holy Spirit and his word are in connection. But there'll be times when God will send a message to his word and, he, and that word will, will, will nudge you forward to go and have a conversation with that person. If I can't confront them or shouldn't do, or shouldn't do, I have a platform with someone else who could. Maybe you're not close enough to that person, but you know their brother or their sister say, hey man, listen, I, uh, John is, is, is into some stuff that, that, that's not conducive to his faith walking, man. I'm afraid if he keeps doing this thing, it's going to cause him to fall very dearly and hurt, hurt his family. Because I'm going to tell you something. The enemy, when he brings something to us, he never shows us the downside. He always shows us, amen, what the good part about it. But he will not ever show you you losing your family. He will never show you uh, having to file bankruptcy because you did something that was outside the will of God. He's always showing you, amen, quote, the good stuff. Because he wants you to get out there so he can cut the limb out from under you. Okay? So, so, under outline D, am I prepared for positive confrontation? First of all, yeah, that's actually the question. Have I prayed about it? Are my emotions under control? Do I see the good in this person or, the, or, or, or people who I'm having to confront? Am I going to win? Am I going into this to win or to do God's will? Don't confront people to try to win an argument. You confront because you're trying to get God's will done in that person's life. Amen. Uh, am I am I open to correction and uh, a greater enlightenment that comes from this confrontational process that God said we should all be involved in? Go with me to Galatians the sixth chapter, verse number one, right quick. Galatians six and verse number one. Six and one. Everybody say healthy confrontation. In the church. Say, we need that. Glory to God. We need that. Here's what I discovered. A lot of times, people try to shy away from connecting with church members because they're involved in open sin. They're doing something that they know is not in line with what is being taught in the church. So they keep you at a distance. They don't let you get so close to them because they don't want you to see, amen, the sin that they're involved in. Guys, let me tell you something. Nobody has to come looking after you, trying to run you down to see what's going on in your life. But I'm here to tell you, God loves you enough to where he'll expose you to somebody who can come to you. He loves you enough because he's trying to get you out of it before the enemy, amen, makes an open shame, an open show of you to the whole world and ruin your testimony. God always, in my life, I found this to be true. God always if, you, if we're involved in something that we should not have been involved in, God always gives us warning first. Every time he gives us warning, he lets us know, hey, we need to stop doing that or it's going to hurt you physically, spiritually, emotionally, on down the line. He gives us warning. And when we don't heed the warning, when we ignore the warning, and when we come to church and, and the preacher gives a sermon or the Sunday school teacher teaches a lesson dealing with our issue, that's God saying, I'm giving you warning. I'm talking to you. Listen to me. The times that I've had to get a whipping from God were the times where I ignored the warning. 
The time where I messed up royally and uh, it's when, when I ignored the warnings that God had giving me. And I'm going to tell you, it's God loves you enough that he will chastise everyone last one of us. Whom the Lord loveth, he does what? Chasing us, the Bible says. So if we're into something that we should not be involved in, listen, let's heed the warnings. And many times when, when we are equipped and God gets us ready to go and, and, and deal with people in a God-honoring way, then God will, God, will, God will have you in relationship with that person so that you can go and talk to that person and say, hey, listen, man, listen, can we pray about, let's pray about this thing. Let me help you, let me be your accountability partner to help you walk through this thing. I'm not coming here to, 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 uh, to say that I'm better than you because I'm not any better than you, but I'm coming because I want to help you, amen, so we can help each other grow in the Lord. Y'all follow me? That's the mindset we should have and not a mindset of, well, I'm coming to you because I'm better than you. It ain't about being better. It's about us growing together and helping each other grow. Amen? Look at what the text says in Galatians 6 and 1. Y'all ready? Let's read together. It says what? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly do what? And be careful what not to fall into the same temptation yourself. He says again, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, not the church gossiper, not the one who's not spiritually inclined, not the one who never opens their Bible, not the one who who has no spiritual foundation, they can't go and get them. Because that person is going to be talking about it, going to tell everybody else about it. Come on now. Y'all do know we have some church gossips, right? See, spiritual people have to go and restore people because unspiritual or carnal-minded Christians don't have the capacity within them to do it because they're going to mess it up. He says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Not beat them down, but go and give them a hand up. Amen? And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Verse number two, let's read it. It says what? Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Okay? Obey the law of Christ. So, so again, so look at five types of confrontation. Okay? First one is personal or relational confrontation. Okay? In other words, I'm coming to you because we have a personal uh, relationship, a, a relationship that, that that's been forced because of our friendship, okay? Uh, and and uh, I'm coming because of uh, uh, issues that, that you may be dealing with. And a lot of times these personal uh, 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 relational confrontations are, are non-sin issues. It's not, it's not sin necessarily, but it's, it's an issue that, that, that maybe something's not being handled right. Doesn't mean that it's a sin, okay? Because sometimes we can do stuff and not be doing it the right way or the best way, and we need somebody to help us along the way to see how to do it the right way or the best way. How many of y'all believe that God wants the best for us? I believe God wants the best for us and not just, amen, uh, uh, you know, just us barely getting by. So there's a time when God will, will, will give us the opportunity on a personal, relational level to be able to go to someone and speak the truth in love to them. Go back to Ephesians 4.15 right quick. Let's confirm what I'm saying. Ephesians 4.15. So a personal relational confrontation. First time. It says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, 
who is the head of his body, the church. We're going we're gonna to be growing in every way. Notice what Paul says. We're going to speak the truth. How? Speak the truth in love. Don't ever forget that. Confrontation, healthy confrontation is always done in a spirit of love, not in a spirit of judgment and condemnation. Amen? I'm, we're not trying to condemn someone. We're not trying to say that they're going to hell. We're saying we're coming to because we love you and we don't want to see you fall into this trap. The enemy has gotten others. We don't want him to get you. Amen? Now, now watch this. Uh, so personal relation. The second type of confrontation is, is when there's sin involved. And when there's sin involved, we, we saw that in Matthew 18. You go to the person one-on-one, right? Go to them privately, okay? Go, 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 go to them privately, and then, then if it you know, can't be handled between you two privately, then you bring two or three other spiritual people with you, and then you go to officially to the ecclesiastical authority of the church, and then you deal with it publicly after that. If, it's not, if, if there's no, no repentance that take place, you have to go through the process. Amen? Everybody say the process. Jesus told us how to do it. Go privately first. So please, for God's sake, when there's an issue, go to the person. Don't be so insecure and selfish that you go and tell everybody else, go to the person. As a church body, as Christians, we got to follow what Jesus said. The first thing I want to know is when there's an issue in the church, have you been biblical? I want to know you're biblical. Did you go to them one-on-one? And maybe you say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I, I'm a little fearful about that. I, I'm coming because I need some advice. I'm not saying it's wrong to go say, get some advice on how to approach that person. But please, for God's sake, do not, please do not get on social media putting it, put air in your dirty laundry in public like that. You go to the person one-on-one. No husband and wife should ever go to outside counsel without talking to each other first. In other words, in other words if, if there's an issue, unless, there, unless it's an issue that has something to do with something legal, illegal, let me put it that way, you, ought, you, you should be able to talk to each other first. If you can't resolve it, then you come for, for, for spiritual counseling. Don't go to your mother-in-law or don't go to your mama or your daddy because, see, here's what's going to happen. If you go to your mama and, and you tell your mama about it, mama's going to remember that. Then y'all going to make up. Y'all will be happy on the other side of town going, doing, doing y'all thing. But when you come back to mama's house, mama going to remember what you told her about her son-in-law, about her daughter-in-law. It's going to be in her mind somewhere. And she's going to be thinking a certain kind of way because she just can't shake it. You shake it because you're in love with him. But, but mama and dad are still remembering what you told them. So it's best I have discovered to keep mama and daddy out of your business. I'm not saying you can't get counsel from them, but to, to have them in the middle of your marriage is, is not healthy. I'm here to tell you, I can't think of one time where my mom and daddy have been in the middle of Maria and I's marriage. Or Mama Kirk is not one, Mama Kirk stays with her and she's not in the middle of our, in our marriage. Not one time. I said not one time. I said not one time. Because it's hard to be objective when that's your child. I know you're spiritual, and I know you give spiritual advice, but when it, when it comes down to it, sometimes that blood is a little thicker. And it'll skew your mindset. So what I'm telling you is, is 
husband and wife, y'all try to deal with it based on the Bible. And so if you can't get restitution, then it comes for counseling. Don't wait till somebody's getting ready to walk out the door. Let's, let's, let's go through counseling. Let's walk through some stuff. And we, we, when we come to counseling, that don't mean that, that, that we're worse Christians. That means that we're trying to get help for our situation. Amen? So confront the issue in the right way. So we, if there's sin involved, go privately first, okay? Then we talk about political. In the church, sometimes there's issues that have to be dealt with. Go to Titus 3 and 10 with me right quick. Look at what it says in Titus 3 and verse 10. If people are causing, watch this, divisions among you. Paul is talking and writing to his son, his, his, his protege, Mr. Titus. If people are causing divisions among you, give a what? First and second warning. If you got a church troublemaker, give a first and second warning. After that, what does the Bible say? Have nothing more to do with him. That's what it says. Well, in, in, but Pastor, in that building, what does the Bible say? Huh? He says, if people, he's talking to the church, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. What's the purpose of having nothing more to do with them? It's called disfellowshipping for the purpose of them seeing the, 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 the evilness of their ways so they can repent and turn from that so they can come back into the fold. It's never just to excommunicate them forever. It's, it's with the hope and the prayer that they will realize the seriousness of them causing division in the church. You go over this and talk to this person. And say, mm, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I show. Sure, I, I, I don't understand Faye. I don't know why. Then you go over and talk to Faye and say, Faye, I don't understand her. I don't, you, know, she, you know, something ain't right with her. Now you're talking to Faye about somebody else and you're talking to that person about Faye. Causing division in the church. Rather than saying, okay, let's, I tell you what, y'all have an issue of concern. I tell you what, I, I, I'm willing to come. Let's sit down together and let's, let's look at the word of God. Let's see how we can solve this issue. Let's see what the biblical way to handle this is. And you, and you, and you deal with it. Deal with issues. Don't sit up and backbite and talk, backbite and talk about people behind their backs. Let's do it the Bible's way, okay? Are y'all with me? All right. So pastoral, pastoral uh, confrontation. Go to 2 Timothy 4 and 2, roughly. 2 Timothy 4 and 2. This is when you have uh, your pastoral leadership involved. And, um, and it ought to be patient. It should be gentle. Uh, it, no, no pastor should come with a, with a dogmatic type, uh, I'm in charge type spirit. It's, it should be a, a, a fatherly, uh, patient, gentle spirit. Uh, under the authority that's been invested to the pastoral leadership by Jesus Christ himself. Watch what the text says. I'll start in verse 1 with 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. And it says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Paul is talking to who? Who? What was that relationship? His son in the ministry. What was Timothy's position here? He was a young pastor. He was passing the church. And Paul tells Timothy to what? Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently do what? Patiently correct. I think most people can say, I, I, I hope you can say that your pastor is patient. I, 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 go, I, I give people, I think, the benefit of the doubt for a long period of time. Okay, 
patiently correct, because I'm hoping that people will hear the preached word and just make the course correction. But sometimes people don't hear, people sometimes people hear the word, but they don't hear the word. They don't hearken. Hearken means to hear and to do. He says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with what? With good teaching. So there's, there's a pastoral confrontation that has to take place. So can I still be your pastor if I have to deal with your issue? That's what I want to know. Can I still be your pastor if I have to come and correct you? Can I still be your pastor when I have to tell you what I see in you or what I don't see right now? That's what I want to know. Because if I'm, if I'm only your pastor when I'm up here on Sunday morning and you think I'm talking to everybody else, you know, we got people like that. That message for everybody else. Ain't got nothing to do with me. That's, that's for Carl Jones. That's for Mandy Neal. Ooh, I heard, I'm so glad Mandy was there. She heard that. But when I deal with you one-on-one and have to bring correction and rebuke, can you still love me? Or are you going to jump ship and say, I'm out of there. I don't need no man talking to me. Listen, we all are under authority. And the quicker you learn that, the Bible even says submit to those, uh, those who, who, whose authority we're up under, even in the political spectrum, uh, on our jobs. Some people can't keep a job because they don't know how to submit to authority. Every time you turn around, they got a new job because they don't got files off the other one because they don't know how to submit to authority. Amen? So, so uh, again, number five, we have, you know, confrontation that deals with authority. Um, uh, in, in Romans 13, go to Romans 13 with me right quick. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm about out of time. Romans 13. See, even when, when it comes from this authority, it should be done with a respectful and a relational attitude, humble, non-threatening spirit. It should be affirming your love and commitment to that person. Okay, and 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 and, and it, when you're walking in, in in authority as a church leader, you don't do it with a condemning spirit, guys. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about learning how to to allow that relationship to be um, such that. Uh, when you, when you deal with an issue, you deal with the issue, but you don't fall out with the person. Okay? And I'm, I'm sure that some of y'all got people in your life like that who you, who you can, y'all, y'all, may, y'all may get, it may get heated sometimes, but y'all ain't going nowhere. Hello? Uh, are y'all with me? Okay, so we want to create an environment, a culture in this church where we can deal with issues the right way and we can help each other. So we can be a healthy church. Healthy churches deal with stuff, talk about stuff. Uh, they don't sweep it under the rug. They're able to, 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 to seek God's wisdom on it, and then allow the word of God to help govern how they're going to respond. Okay, Watch what the text says here. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. So, so when you join a church and you become a member of the church, you submit yourself to that governing authority of that church, starting with the pastoral leadership. The pastor, the pastor is no greater man than anybody else in here. It just it means that from that position of leadership, God has put him there as the under-shepherd. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. So whatever we do here, we're going to do it based on what Jesus Christ said. But we do have to respect, amen, the authority that God has placed in the house, okay? By the way, y'all, by the way, by the way, bring your, bring your light of Sunday, I want y'all to bring your lighters on Sunday because we're going to burn a note. Can I get a witness? Yes. I thank God for 
y'all hearing from the spirit of God. Amen. And uh, and and we had a couple that blessed us with a significant gift. Um, and I thank God for them. It ain't the first time they've done that. And I thank God for him just blessing them to be a blessing. And so um, we still give. Now, y'all still come. On, we still we still you still do your part. But we're going to burn that note. We're going to we, we gave a word, Leroy, back in November, the fourth Sunday in January. And guess what? We're going to burn the note the fourth Sunday in February. It's not the Lord good. We got to start speaking faith sealed words, even when you don't see the answer. Even it may not seem like it's it's, it's going to happen, but God, I'm just saying God did it. So that's just a little sidebar. I I, I meant to shout that before I got up here, but I'm shouting at the end here. <laughs> so we're going we're going to burn a note on Sunday, man. That's the first time I've burned a note in the church. We're going to burn it. Glory to God. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Everybody say thank you, Jesus. Everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God. And those, watch this, here is a very confusing thing sometimes when you see people in authority who, who ain't doing things God's way. But the text says, for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. See, anything that happens in the earth realm happens on the, the providential sovereignty of God. God knew he was going to be elected before they ever elected. I don't know why, <laughs> but I ain't trying to question God. I'm going to say, God, you know. Are you following me? But, but, but we have a responsibility as Christians to do what? Submit, to, pray for them, and then submit to the government authorities in, the, in, in, the, in our governmental realm and in the church realm. I tell people all the time, I love you guys, but if, 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 if you cannot, and I, I thank God, I'm not saying this because we've had any ounce of trouble in this church. I, I tell every pastor who I know, and I talk to quite a few pastors, and ones who I, I built a relationship with when I was still in banking because I financed a lot of churches. I financed a lot of churches, and I got the chance to talk to a lot of churches, uh, different churches and deacons and pastors. And I know for a fact, I'm not telling you what I heard, I know for a fact I am blessed to be in this place. I know for a fact that this, what, what you guys have done from a ministry standpoint is out of sight. And I thank God for you. So I know I'm blessed to, to pastor a church like this. Are we perfect? By no stretch of the imagination. But I'm here to tell you what we have going on here is far beyond what a lot of people have going on. And I, it is, it's not the draw attention to us, but it's the point to Jesus to say, listen, even though you're in Benton, Louisiana, even though folk in Shreveport, Bozeman may think this is a country drive. But God is working in Benton just like he is in Shreveport, just like he is in Dallas, just like he is in L.A., just like he is in New York City. He's doing a great work. And I thank God for you guys. I thank God that you follow leadership. And, and I thank God for the, for the tone and the tenor of this church. Amen. You guys are awesome.